1: Hey everyone, this is Jason Gillikan, executive producer of the DT Podcast and CEO of Earfluence. And before we get the show started, just a quick note. Today's guests are completely raw and unfiltered. So this one's explicit with a capital E. So if you're not into that or if you have kids around, you might want to skip this one for now. But if you do skip it, you'll miss out because it is really freaking hilarious. All right, with that said, let's get to the DT Podcast with TLS Agency, and they are Cicero Leek, Tristan Turner, and Chuck Stinson.
2: You can't stop me, nothing's going to stand in my way, I'm
0: going to fly higher, I'm going to fly higher, higher.
1: Guys, welcome to the Donald Thompson Podcast, and I'm excited to have uh, Mr. Tristan Turner Cicero Leak and Chuck Stinson. And these guys are the uh, TLS group in the representation business in the entertainment space for many years. And more recently have expanded their portfolio to really look at the holistic value proposition for their clients, both in terms of media opportunities, marketing opportunities, all kinds of different things like that. But more specifically are creating opportunities for athletes at HBCUs from underrepresented organizations to make sure that they get high quality representation as they continue to chase their dreams. So gentlemen, thank you guys for spending some time and I appreciate you guys joining us today. Thanks Thanks for having us. So to get things started and just jump into the the conversation, Cicero, kick us off with why you started out becoming an agent take us a little bit on that journey well it was,
2: it was, well, it was a few stories but I'll, I'll, I'll give you kind of well, like I said a short version but I mean it kind of goes back to when I executive produced a documentary called welcome to Durham years ago and that was kind of what led me into the entertainment industry and I remember after it was done and because I was the one that went out and got the deal for the movie so is Tristan, I mean, he was like with me <laughs> every step of the way back then. You know what I'm saying? Like anytime I went out of town, like I'm big on, like we're all big on like we've known each other for a long time. We're big on sticking together. You know what I'm saying? Like we're 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 big on that. We've known each other since high school and we always include each other in everything that we do. You know what I'm saying? So, but it came from then. So one of the other producers on the documentary was like, Sister, you're like that guy on uh, Entourage, Ari Gold. That's what you do. You know what I'm saying? So, I, lo- you know, I watched the TV show, and I was like, yeah, I am like that motherfucker. Yeah, I am like that. You know what I'm saying? That is me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So then, you know, it kind of goes back. So Tris was making a transition from finance to a new space. And we kind of got together and was like, let's start. I was like, Tris, I have all these contacts in Hollywood that I've used to try to sell this damn movie. Like, why waste them? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because I went everywhere trying to damn sell that damn movie, you know, to every and. Like, I tried to knock down every door. So I I knew everybody, like every network and production company and record label, and, you know, it was just crazy. So it was just like, damn, my fucking Rolodex is pretty awesome right now. You know what I'm saying? I can get anybody on the phone, but I don't have nothing to talk about no more. You know, let's get into representation. So Tristan and I got together and was like, okay, let's let's start this.
1: And And Tristan, how did you make that decision, give a little background on your vision of connecting with
3: Cicero, not just as friends, but taking that business journey together? Well, as they will tell you, for lack of a better term, I'm kind of like the live wire of the crew. So uh, one of the main reasons why Cicero wanted me around is because if we were somewhere where we needed some energy, I was just naturally going to provide it. And then, you know, that coupled with a big marketing background as well, you know, I've just been had been doing marketing before I knew I was doing marketing. Next thing I know, it's like, oh, shit, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing marketing. It just really made sense. And you know, there's an old saying that says you shouldn't work with friends. However, we disagree. You know, you see three of us right here together. Like Sister said, we've known each other since high school. As long as your friends aren't just like you, it works. And his strengths complement my strengths and my weaknesses you know, he fills in the gaps there and vice versa. So it just really makes sense. And it made sense for us to um, really take things to the next level. So, yeah, I mean, we just took it from there.
1: And no, that's good stuff. Now, who, did you, who was the first client that you, that you signed?
2: Uh, <laughs> it was Kid and Play. It was Kid and Play. It was Kid and Play. <laughs> it was really Play. And then yeah. we got Kid after that, you know what I'm saying, like collectively, because I already knew. Play was involved with the documentary. Uh, I hired him to direct because he was living in Durham. So I had a relationship with him through that. And then I was just like, okay, well, he's sitting in Durham and everybody knows the hell he is. And so let me try to sign this moment. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, I'm on board. And the next thing you know, he was like, well, kid wants to, you know, you to, you know, work with you as well. So a couple months later, we signed kid and then the rest was history.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Now, you guys were working for a while, and then, Chuck, you came on board to do the sports, or you've always been in the picture and we just hadn't, hadn't met yet. Give me kind of your relationship and, and as grown the agency.
4: Uh, I think, well, I think the kind of answer to that question is kind of both. I've always been around a little bit. I wasn't there in the very beginning when they first. Like, I knew what they were doing, welcome to Durham, and I was kind of around. And we've always been friends, so I knew what was happening with that. But I wasn't instantly involved in any of that part of it. I think what ended up happening, I came home for a Duke-Maryland game and mm-hmm. I had, I had cops and tickets and we yep. just got into talking about it and he was like, you know, this thing's kicking off, it's pushing off, hey, why don't you come along too? Why don't you, hey, why don't you find a spot, come along, join us and do this thing? And so then it was mm-hmm. like, I've been always more akin to sports and always loved sports. So it was kind of like, hey, well, maybe I will focus in all that sports side of it. Got so, it. I was kind of around the beginning, not in the very beginning, yeah, but then it kind of just kind of slowly, it was moving slowly at first, and I just think as of late, the timing was right to really put more into it, put more behind. It. I think that's where, we, where how we got to Brad right now. Yeah, that,
1: right. that makes sense. I want to stay with the backstory a little bit, but also educate our listeners, and everybody wants to be in entertainment, right? Everybody want to be star, right? But nobody want to hit that grind. What would you say to people that want to be in the entertainment business, be be an agent, be on the business side of entertainment, when they're thinking about if they have what it takes to do what you guys do to win in this game? What kind of advice would you give them?
2: Well, I mean, I would say do your research. You know what I'm saying? Know know this is what you want to get into because, I mean, it's not an easy thing. And, you know, it's not an overnight thing. But the biggest thing with me, Don, and as you well know, you know, with us working together is that, You know, when you go out here and you're you're representing someone, you have to do what you say you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? If you make promises to people and say, "Okay, well, I'm able to do this and we're going to try to do this. Of course, you know, some things in the end don't work out. But if you're going to say, "Okay," because they're putting their career in your hands. You know what I'm saying? That's very important. Just don't go into this blindly and say, "Okay, well, I want to represent celebrities or I want to, you know. I mean, really do your research and, you know, read up on, you know, what it takes to, to to make, you know, what people have done in the past to make this. And that's what I did. You know what I'm saying? I brushed up on agents that, you know, came before me, black agents. And I met with some as well to kind of talk to them and see what they went through over the years and what it took for them to make it as well. So, I mean, yeah, we did jump in. Trish and I did jump into this blindly kind of, and it was like, you know, we put our feet to the fire and it was like. Shit, but we made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? Because representing, t- you know, representing celebrities is hard. You know what I'm saying? Like they really, you know, they they you know, need personalities. Yeah, they need their personalities. They need really you.
3: Worried about who listening? <laughs> Tell the truth.
2: They know. <laughs> so you have to kind of adjust to that. You know what I'm saying? You have to, you know, but you have to really do like I say. You have to do your research, you have to really figure out just what you you really want to do, and go from there. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, we, we learned a lot. We learned a
3: lot in that fire. You know, fire makes a lot of things stronger, and it melts other things. It definitely made us stronger. You know, we definitely. <laughs> and so it it made us stronger. We, you know, like sister said, we we fucked up, and other things we did great. And we were like, okay, let's take the stuff that we did great, capitalize off that. The stuff that we messed up on, let's figure out what exactly where we went wrong, so we don't make those mistakes anymore. And we learned some really great lessons. I mean. Well, give me an kidding. example. Give me an example of a of
1: a lesson that you can share. Some of them might be, you know, like you don't want to create liability if you messed up somebody's contract. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what are, but, but what are some what are some uh, lessons that you could that you could share on the way on the come yeah. up?
3: So so thankfully that never happened. One lesson for sure is just being careful, really careful who we deal with. We were working with a promoter with Kid and Play. Um, it was their twentieth anniversary.
2: Want to say. Uh, was, uh, yeah, 20th, uh, yeah, 25th? yeah. Yeah, so that was the twentieth. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. were going on. They w- they. They went on tour. So we were working with the promoter, and <laughs> uh, I take this on me for sure. I mean, having
3: worked with promoters, I should have known. Look out for janky promoters, like God. And you talk about a janky promoter, man. Like he fit the bill up and down, bro. He fit the bill. But we were just so wrapped up in the moment, the possibilities of things that could happen and go on. Now, a lot of good things come out of it. Like, we were able to book Kid and Play for George Lopez when um, Lopez tonight when he had his nighttime talk show. And we were, made a ton of connects off that, did some pitches with a few stations and networks off of that as well. But just dealing with that promoter, trying to get everything done with Kid and Play, I mean, it was a friggin' nightmare, bro. It was a night.
2: Yeah, I, I wish I could go into detail. It was that time we was in L.A., <laughs> and we were going to the BET Awards. Man, I just wanted to get on a flight and come, bring my ass back to the house. It was That's rough. How, it was <laughs> rough. No, it was rough. <laughs> I mean, we was out to, like, we was on the phone to, like, this is at, like, 2, 3 in the morning trying to get stuff situated with this guy. And I mean, we
3: East Coasters. So it's yeah. like five to us. We our eyes were bloodshot red, and we've been drinking too. Like it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough, you know. So it's it's like, <laughs> we, we got to really protect our brand, man. We got you know, we got a name out here. The fella kid and play was mad at us, and they they had every right. Nah, no, they beat. was
0: mad
2: as hell. That was a rough. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they had every right. They had. It was mad. That was mad. I think you remembered remember that. that, Y'all called
4: me from out Yeah, I called. Yeah, I
2: had to call. (laughs) Usually I don't bother Chuck when it comes to stuff outside of what he he does directly. But I had to call him on that one. I was like, man, bro. Oh, man. I I even even had to talk to play that
3: night.
4: That was like one of the few times I talked
2: to him. Man, that was rough.
4: So
1: as you guys are looking at the landscape in business and entertainment and different things, you guys did make a conscious decision to move into sports and then specifically HBCU sports, not that you won't sign people from, you know, all across the thing, but you decided on a focus. Talk to us about that thought process, Chuck, and Mm -hmm. and how you made that decision and and what you see the future of it.
4: Yeah. The thought process and how we ended up in that space was really, it came down to what we were seeing in the landscape. I've always been involved with new sports and sports in general. And I've got kids who play. I've got friends with kids who play. But when they started getting older and looking at sports in general, you saw less and less opportunities for HBCU students. You saw less and less HBCU students getting drafted or hearing about, hey, they went to an HBCU. But then you also saw from the kids less and less interest to go to an HBCU because of that. I mean, for better or for worse, most of the, the kids and people were around – put high whole sports in a high regard. They hold academics and sports in a high regard. When it became, hey, that HBCUs were no longer in the conversation just because they weren't viable options, we saw that, I saw that as a problem. We saw that as a problem for a bunch of different reasons, but we just saw that as an overall problem, and, hey, it's no longer a viable option. That coupled with the opportunities being less, and we just thought, hey, for a holistic approach and for it to be still be viable, something has to be done. It has to be a stronger focus. On making those true options, and that's kind of what led us to not only sports, more specifically to HBCUs.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. When you guys think about now having an even broader portfolio and, and working with and representing talent, is that all you do, right? Are there things you do on the production side or that? Give us, give us a breath of just the mm-hmm. different things that your agency offers. If somebody that's looking for an agent that's got the talent, that's got maybe a couple of things under their belt, is looking for representation, why the TLS agency? And, and tell me about the future and why should they choose you guys?
2: I mean, we really go hard for our clients, you know what I'm saying? And we really spend a lot of time working with them in detail about what they want to achieve. You know, I won't down talk some of the big agencies or any other, you know, any other agencies. But, you know, some of the things that people run into when they want to get signed by an agent is that, you know, everything's all hunky-dory at first. And then a couple years later, they never hear from them anymore because either the money's not coming in the way that they wanted to come in or the relationship just went sour. We have clients that have been on our roster since the beginning. We go hard. Like, one thing that our clients know is that now we don't give up. We're trying to make things happen for you, even through the highs and the lows. You know what I'm saying? So just because you were hot then, but you're not as hot as you were now, you know, we're going to get you to that point again and even bigger we're talking longevity we're not talking about in the moment that's powerful we're looking for more of a partnership and a relationship
1: no that's powerful i I appreciate that so one of the things let's drill down into present day right the ncaa has recently passed some new legislation about the likeness of an athlete Mm -hmm. being able to make money from their own likeness basically right an athlete being able to make money from that that sounds good that sounds like progress that sounds like movement forward but typically, things are in the detail, right? Yes. So what does that mean for young people? What does that rule mean for you in the agency business? Give us some background. Give us some perspective of what you guys think and see.
4: Yeah. You know, the way that we see it, the way we're looking at it, it creates a great opportunity. But like anything else, it creates an opportunity where it's still going to be on the student athlete to capitalize on it or to take advantage of it. I I think it's like anything else. It's going to be a rule that, hey, creates an opportunity where, you know, it fills the gap for somebody's income or, for lack of a better word, for them to actually get true value or worth for who they are. Yep. But it can turn out to be just a rule in place or another way for them to be taken advantage of if they don't own it or they don't find people to work with that help them own the situation and actually play it for their benefit.
1: No, that makes sense. I want to ask a follow-up, apologize for interrupting you, but I'm gonna give you space back in just a second. Does that allow students to have representation now while they're in school? Do they have to make these decisions on their own about how to make money? Because to your point, if you now can make money off your likeness, but you're talking to business people, but you're still a student, you're a young person, how does that work so that you can really strike good deals and be smart with that?
4: I think that's still a gray area. I think that's really still a gray area because the rule is, I mean, it's still new and it. it hasn't per se been finalized and complete yet. It's supposed to hit and start in 2021. Uh, and they've laid out some guide rules on what you can't do, but they haven't per se, what I haven't seen where they've addressed how do agents or representation play into that. And, th- and that's also where I say that could be like a-, a pro or con. Like you're going to have some kids. Are savvy. Like I even think back in the day, you remember um, play for UNLV, Greg Anthony. Yep. When he had his own comic book business and he had his own outside business, he had enough business sense and enough wherewithal to know how to work around the rules to create extra income for himself while he was in college without jeopardizing his NCAA yep. ability. And so, there's going to be kids out there like that who probably do it on their own. But there's also going to be the masses of kids who are going to be. Like anything else, at big institutions or your Big Five schools, there, and they have a big following, and the right opportunity is going to fall in their lap. There's going to be like I don't know, say a Gatorade or a Nike, willing to fall on them and give them give them contracts and money. But there's going to be a larger pool of kids where the opportunities are there. They just don't know how to capitalize on it, and so mm-hmm. they need that representation to navigate them through that, or to even help manage it while they're still trying to manage school and practice and time on time their fields of play. I feel like agents are going to be needed in that space. as an opportunity for agents to help and build relationships and help kids at the same time. But I don't think the rule has been solidified or clarified enough for me or anybody else to say right now how it's going to work.
1: Yeah, one of the things I would say, just as we, you know, partner together and think about the future and, and how to chase ideas, you know, a lot of times that creates a great opportunity to create blueprints for people. Right, like even such things as uh, social media marketing training for young athletes. Right, how to monetize your business, and so that may be something we ought to kick it offline, and figure yeah. out how to take marketing savvy, agent savvy, and create the playbook. And we might not want to put this out on wax. This might just be between. No, you. we've already <laughs> yeah.
2: we've are, no we've already kind of talked about that. We just big things like. No, bro, we need to be ahead of the curve on this. We can't yeah. wait till somebody else you know, gets in on mm-hmm. this and then we're trying to play catch-up. Like This is the time just to stay ahead of it. So, no, we, we've already had those conversations.
1: No, that makes sense. Cicero, let's, let's change topics, and, and I'll start with you first and, and come back. And it's been on my mind and brain and, and obviously with you guys also. There's a lot going on in our country from a race standpoint. There's a lot going on as African-Americans in general, as African-American men in particular, as we think about the relationship between the communities of color and the police, uh, the systemic racism that exists, and I'm certain that you guys have faced that in this industry, right? And so, what I want you guys to talk about um, two things, and then I'm gonna give you guys the space. Talk about that systemic racism and the challenges you guys have had to overcome and push through in the media and the entertainment space, and then widen the lens and talk just a little bit about what you guys are feeling. And seeing today just as african-american men trying to live this life
2: yeah i mean of course we all you know have to go through it but in pertaining to the business the entertainment business i mean you go through things with people if they don't know who you are and then they find out that you're an african-american agent or you know you're a representative for a talent it's weird. I mean, because fortunately, like I said, it hasn't been anything directly that I've had to deal with in this business in regards to that, but you know, you can feel it, you know, the issues with big agencies that we, you know, may have to talk to or work with. Sometimes you have the, you know, the issues you will know, not, they're not taking you seriously, you know what I'm saying? And you have to kind of push through to let them know, no, no, you need to take me fucking seriously. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if we want to get this done, then, I expect you to give me the same level of respect you would give your counterparts, you know what I'm saying, or someone who may not look like me. So that part, you know, you have to deal with all the time. But I'll say this, I mean, and, you know, with Trish and, and Chug and I have known each other for so long, growing up in Durham, you rarely had racism because everybody in Durham was black, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> everybody in power in Durham was black, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of weird. One thing that I tell people, like, I really didn't deal with growing up, you know what I'm saying? Durham, I really didn't have to deal with it because it was like, it was, it was like Wakanda, you know what I'm saying? It was like the mayor was black, the chief was black, you know what I'm saying? And everybody was from Durham, you know what I'm saying? Everybody knew each other. As time, you know, went by, as you, you get older, now you see, you know, especially now with social media, you know, more things are coming to light. But I remember when the Rodney King situation happened. it was kind of shocking, like, okay, this is ha- you know this is happening, and you know seeing that you know those police officers was, you know would do what they did to him, you know it was a shocking thing for me to see on TV I mean of course, you know what happened in the past and the civil rights movement and things like that and what your parents and your grandparents you know and their, their parents went through, but in our generation. Come I mean, where we came from. You didn't see. You didn't see that anymore. You don't, you only saw it in movies. You only saw it in television. You know what I'm saying? But having to deal with it directly, like I never heard a white person say the N word. You know what I'm saying? I never heard that. So, you know, I only you know would see and hear about this stuff on television. But as I got older, you know, it started to hit me. Like okay, and me moving out of Durham. You know what I'm saying? Into a predominantly like white neighborhood, and you know what I'm saying? And dealing with you know, you start to in, in dealing with corporate America, and you know, you start to see okay, no, some things going on around me that I'm, you know, I may not, you know, be privy to. You know what I'm saying? That and one thing that we were talking about is that you know, Chuck and I have teenage, you know, sons. It worries me when he goes out to go go for a run. What may happen? I'm always like, son, do you have your phone? Make sure you you're dressing. You look like you're you're running. You know what I'm saying? Like you're exercising. Don't wear any, you know what I'm saying? Like unfortunately I have to say st- stuff like that. It sounds stupid, but unfortunately I have to tell him stuff like that just to see because I feel like I have to protect him in a, you know a certain way. You know what I'm saying? To cover some basis to make sure, okay, this may not happen to him while he's out here trying to exercise in a community that, you know, I pay for I pay for, you know what I'm saying? That I pay a lot of money to be in. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what's going on now with the you know, Joe Ford situation and you know, the other gentleman. It's it's tragic, man. It's tragic, done. I just hope and pray that as time goes on that you know our you know the next generation, our kids don't have to even deal with things will change.
1: Chuck, any thoughts on what's going on on in the macro environment?
4: I think with the way I approach it or look at it, for me being black or having experienced it or being immersed in it, to me what's going on now, to me is I don't wouldn't say it's more. Tiffany or an awareness, because to me, it's always been there. It's more, I've, I've been looking at it, especially with my kids and my family, it's more of a, hey, let's analyze it for what it is. I've always had these conversations with them. I've always made them aware of this. I've always been aware of this. So when it comes down to it, it's more of a analyzing the emotional reaction and the understanding of the opportunity that's happening now and an opportunity to not only educate, but make advancements and then actually, like a better word, play it to our advantage to where, hey, to actually affect some real change. You know, I can remember as far back, like Ro was saying, I don't think I've ever experienced anything as hard, or as hard as some of the stuff you see on TV. But in a sense, I felt like we've always, or I've always experienced systemic racism or institutional racism, where it's always been something I've had to navigate. And it's always been something I've had to deal with and always had to do with. My kids had to deal with it at an early age. And so we've always had those conversations. But I think now in the current environment, I think it gives us more of a voice and more of a chance to say, hey, I'm not crazy. I am not speaking of things. You know, there's actually real proof behind it to help illuminate to those who are either blindly or actively participating in it and causing it to happen. Take a better look.
1: Yeah. Tristan?
3: We literally had this conversation. Like Cicero said, they both have teenage boys. I have a boy as well. He's he's nine, though. I'm able to look to my brothers here and a few other friends of ours that have teenage and grown sons, and it really um, gives me a blueprint to understand how to navigate it as my son grows. You know, I have daughters as well. It's just a very interesting and weird landscape right now. But it's only interesting and weird because now it's becoming to the forefront. I mean, Don, you know, we've been talking about this stuff forever. Forever. I mean, I literally read something this morning that said every generation has their big moment and this is this generation's big moment and hopefully we won't have to have many more big moments like this. It's just something really interesting when we have to have those conversations with our son. I had the talk with my son about how to deal with police before I had to talk with him about the birds and the bees. You know, the talk with us is a totally different talk. When I'm around um, white associates and we say the talk, I gotta ask them, what talk are y'all talking about? That's very telling within itself. And so it's just a lot that we're navigating. Now, I'm very hopeful for what we're going through. This is very needed. Everything came to a a very good pinnacle at one point because if it wasn't for COVID-19, I don't know if things would have gotten to the climax that it did. And I'm I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't because we'd still have so many other distractions. We'd have sports. We'd have restaurants and bars and clubs. New episodes coming out on TV. But as, unfortunately, TLS has been hindered by that, too, because new shows are slow right now. (laughs) You know, but I'd rather there be a big social change versus us putting more money in our pockets right now. You know, hell yeah, we need this income. We need to make some more shit happen financially, but we need way more to ha- happen socially. And like Cicero said, yeah, you know, I moved to Durham when I was in high school and it was just really awesome to see how <laughs> black people were in charge of stuff. You know, I was born in the A, but I didn't really live there. Chuck had some, spent some time in the A in Atlanta. Before I was born in the A. Was, yeah, he was born in the A. Let me get that in there too. <laughs> um, but you know, it was still different for me coming to Durham, just seeing all the things that go on there and um, being around so many educated black folks. That, I mean, 13 HBCUs in North Carolina. Mm. And for us to sit and say that that didn't influence our mindset and how we move, we'd be lying. We'd totally be lying. The three of us went to HBCUs. We didn't I don't, go to school. Well, I went to the best HBCU of all. <laughs> Went to Salem State University, and Chuck and Cicero did pretty good. Cicero went to North Carolina Central, which my mama went there. She got a couple of degrees from there, and Chuck went to a very, very good school, Morehouse as well. I was accepted to Morehouse. He and I were actually supposed to be roommates. Hey, you bailed. You bailed. (laughs) Crap. I ain't have enough money. (laughs) <laughs> so I needed bail I need somebody to bail me out so I could afford that tuition <laughs> nah I ain't gonna lie I, I would have loved to attend the Morehouse though that was the, literally it was so crazy it was the only school that I applied to Chuck and I had the same recruiter I mean I can hear
1: the pride in your voice for for your heritage and the HBCUs it needs to be done so that the historically black colleges and universities, what advice would you give to those colleges as they continue to work to step their game up from an Mm. academic standpoint, from a visibility standpoint, marketing standpoint? Because a lot of very successful, great leaders and PhDs and athletes, but there's still this stigma now that the education is not as good, is not as strong. What can be done to kind of raise that profile?
4: Yeah, we were actually just talking about that. Ooh, um, yeah, we were. Yeah. I think it's like anything else. you got, you got to upsell. You have to upsell yourself. I like, the, I like the opportunities. And in my opinion, HBCU spend a lot of time apologizing for what they don't have as opposed to highlighting what we do have. Mm. So what, what, I'm
1: going yeah. to interrupt you and I'm going to give you the mic back. Spending too much time apologizing for what they don't have versus highlighting what we do have. And I think that is wisdom both in the question that I asked you, but also in success in general, right? Because most people think about what they're lacking versus building a game plan with the tools they have today, with the goals that they want right now. And I think that mentality Mm -hmm. is what you guys have developed to grow your business. It's the mentality that I've used to make my way in the world. No one's giving me more aces to play with. I've got to win with the cards I've got in the moment that I'm in today. That mindset is what I try to get into my kids, the people that I work with, the partners that I select. Is that the world isn't fair because you hope it to be? You got to create fairness, right? The only way you create success and fairness is through winning. And I'll I'll, I'll talk about this just for a minute, and then I'll Chuck, I'll give you the, the mic back. Is that? One of the things that blesses me is that because I'm in some of the doors now where decisions are made, I can make sure that everyone that I see gets a fair shot. That's cool. Therefore, the more doors you're in, the more you can create influence because you can make sure that this resume that may be of a person of color that somebody would naturally just put over here because the university didn't have the same pedigree, Then I'm sitting in the boardroom and saying, you know what? We should probably test the applicants. We should probably get them to write an essay. We should probably get them to do a social media programming Mm -hmm. thing. We should probably get them to come in and pitch us. So now if you create testing in the application process, now all of a sudden the pedigree in the paper has a little bit less weight. And now the people that get an opportunity to get in the door get a chance to win today. You guys are creating, and this is by the phrase that I'm using to, that. when you hear it, if you see it on social media, it's a total compliment. It's the new stereotype, right? You guys are the new stereotype. You're talking about being better fathers, not this deadbeat dad stereotype that's on TV. You're talking about what you say to your sons and your daughters and how you raise them, the new stereotype. You're talking about being entrepreneurs and how you guys work together. You decided that all of the things about friends not working together wasn't for you. That was for somebody else, but y'all were going to rock together. And the new stereotype is how do we think on our own to get the dreams and goals that we have? And so I've got one or two more questions, but I wanted to throw that in because like we see each other, but a lot of times I don't get to let y'all know how I appreciate y'all and what you're doing. And then I'm cheering for you. And then other people are cheering for you because we're so much on our grind. Sometimes I don't get a chance to just say, Cicero, man, I'm cheering for you. Tristan, I'm pulling for you. Chuck, I'm pulling for you. And the the thing that is really important as we kind of go through this thing, this transformation in the world together is we all need each other more than we ever have because this thing is crazy out there right now. Mm. And the only way we going to push through to that winning mentality to really create that transformation is that we lean on each other quickly when we need each other. And we kind of put away the ego that keeps us from asking for help and open up ourselves and say, you know what, can Don help me do that? Can Cicero help me do that? Right. Can George help me do that so that we stay strong together and keep it and keep it pushing. And so, you know, the the last thing I wanted you guys to do is just share with our audience, anything that's on your mind, whether it's macro event, whether it's something that's going on with your agency that I didn't ask or get to, what didn't
3: I ask you that you would like to talk about? Well, while we ponder that, Don, I, I definitely want to say we're cheering for you, too, brother. I appreciate <laughs> you. Man. You know, Issa Ray made the statement popular. I'm rooting for everybody Black. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to be apologetic and say, that doesn't mean I'm not rooting for white people.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm rooting hey, for everybody nah, Black. <laughs> hey, Don, nah, can, can I share the story how you left me outside the Staples Center uh, <laughs> <laughs> we bought the tickets, <laughs> yeah. We got those tickets, and you left me outside the stables. <laughs> My ticket didn't say the same thing as yours. <laughs> I was mad as hell. Hey, <laughs> look, so me, Don, and Tuck. So, Don knows Tuck, too, because Tuck came. Me and Don were in LA for some meetings. We had to meet with Own and uh, Magical Elves or whatever. I'm like, Don, I'm going to meet with my boy Courtney. You know, where's ESPN? We're gonna go catch a Clippers game. So Don was like, Okay, cool, I'll go with you. I was like, All right, cool. So we get to the venue and <laughs> we buy tickets from a scalper. <laughs> <laughs> So scalping is, is not illegal in the state of North Carolina. It's legal. You know what I'm saying? But it is in right. in California. So I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? But the guy was acting all shady. So I'm like, he was like, come around the corner and buy the tickets. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? I was like, why? You know what I'm saying? Like, in North Carolina, you can do the shit right in front of the venue, and then you walk right in. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the dude was acting all shady and shit. So finally, you know, we get the tickets. And we're about to go in, so the guy, okay, he scans Don's ticket, he scans Tuck's ticket, and he scans my ticket, and he's like, no, you can't walk in with that. <laughs> you gotta go up to the other gate. Your, t- your seat is way up in the rafters. <laughs> 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 hey,
1: look,
3: No, but you know, but Tris, you know
2: how we do. I was like, okay, I'm gonna fix y'all motherfuckers. I was like, I'm gonna find y'all. <laughs> and they, were up, they were where were you at in some restaurant. You were in the, high rise. Restaurant. the VIP yeah. eating and shit, you know what I'm saying, watching the game with the feet up, relaxing. And I was like, bro, that was the first time I ever I put my head down and just walked. I just so somehow I got up there. And I don't know how it's like somebody helped me. I don't even know how I got up there without oh having that chicken. My God. That it's like insane. I put my I put my head down, I was just like, and like I was the head of security of and <laughs> got and got up there. Oh and, was, and is... they have been eating and, and relaxing and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't even know each other. And they were just eating and relaxing. <laughs> They look like <laughs> your whole boys eating and drinking and relaxing wow. while I'm trying to figure out
1: how to get up there. I'm crying. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> wait, wait, wait. One more. So we go we go to the meeting at home, right? And so we go sit in the offices, and the client is sitting there. I'm sitting there. Cicero's sitting there. And Oprah's team is late. They're like yeah. 20 minutes late. Like, yeah. Like, and I'm looking at my watch, and I'm a business guy, right? And I'm I'm a little big shot, right? So I'm like, they're what the what, Cicero? What the hell is going on, Cicero? They're <laughs> like 20 minutes late. Cicero looks at me, and goes, "Hey man, in North Carolina, you matter. We're in L.A." <laughs> he said, "We're in L.A. and nobody gives a shit about you in L.A." <laughs>
2: I was like, Don, chill, man. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Man. Oh, chill. my God. I was like, makes-
3: I said, I said, that makes sense. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh, man. I, yeah, I have- was about that,
2: man. Oh, my God. Gotta go. <laughs> oh my god but uh, all right, so, yeah we had had to get, the I had bus, to get the that story in i had to get that story in uh, before we got <laughs>
1: That is crazy but <laughs> well, look guys uh, i've enjoyed y'all and uh, yep. <laughs> make sure that we that we keep in touch on a real and if i can be helpful i need you guys to reach out to me and let me know how i can be helpful
2: now we got you we all uh, we're all teammates oh. so now we got you you
0: can't stop me nothing's gonna stand
2: in my way
1: this podcast is edited and produced by Hearfluence. if you're looking for more information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice build your community visit earfluence.com thank you for listening and we'll see you soon on the donald thompson podcast